I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. She's here on Room 104. Quick reminder as well, uh, the COVID-19 tracing, contact tracing app for Apple and Google phones has just been released in the last hour or so. Um, it basically just allows you to, on a daily basis, report how you're feeling in your symptoms and then that can go towards seeing where the coronavirus how it's spreading and how we'll be able to kind of kind of fight it. So there's been several thousand downloads at the moment. Just want to reiterate as well that uh, people have been concerned about data with all apps, especially now with the government app. Uh, this is what it says in its um, privacy and settings things. It said, the Public Health Authority app is not allowed to use your phone's location. The exposure notification system itself does not use your location or share other users' identities with the app uh, or with Google or with Apple. So it looks like none of your data is going to be shared with the government. The government aren't going to be snooping on you using this app, but it, it is obviously there to try and help track the spread, stop the spread, and uh, allows you to, if, for example, if we all had it and somebody you were in contact with a week or so ago, test positive for coronavirus, they update the app and then you'll get a notification. You won't know that it was them. It will just be, listen, someone that you were in contact with in the last two weeks uh, has tested positive, so you get yourself tested or you need to self-isolate if you need to self-isolate and there's tons of information on it so uh, it's covid tracker if you just search covid tracker in the app store or the google play store you should be able to find it have you gotten it yet Sisha? i haven't gotten it yet but i am going to get it 100 percent. because you know it takes a bit of time to sign up for it you have to put in a few details so yeah, yeah but i want to um, make sure that i know what i'm doing before yeah. i start giving my number out and so on but um yeah no i'm definitely going to get it i think it's definitely worth having um, there's some interesting information there as well on obviously where the cases are by county the majority of them being here in Dublin so 48% of all the cases of uh, coronavirus have happened here in Dublin 48% 12,270 the county with the least amount of coronavirus cases is Leitrim so they have had 82 confirmed cases less than 1% um, yeah so the majority have been in Dublin uh, Cork as well 1500 let me see Kildare 1500 who is the other... Yeah, the, the majority of them are, are, are here in Dublin. So uh, if we can, if, as many people as possible, I suppose, do download this, it'll be a handy way for people to track, for people to track the virus and, fingers crossed, stop the spread of it so we can use something like that to manage the, the virus and manage the outbreak as opposed to having to resort back to lockdown. Um, Maybe we should all go on staycation in Leitrim. 
I, I think so. I'm not sure how the people of Leitrim would like, you know, people from the most infected county in the world jumping down there and showing up on their doorstep. But, yeah, not a bad idea if we all just stayed but on our own in Leitrim. Job done. That's what I mean. I think the the reason why they have such low cases is because they continually socially isolate anyway. They're not just yeah. doing this for the lockdown. Their houses are... <laughs> so far away from each other and the shop is two hours down the road that they have to isolate. Or they only go once every two weeks and they're not dropping into the shops and stuff. They're, they're stocking up exactly. on food. They've been doing yeah. it right. Well done, Leitrim. You've been nailing it from day one. Um, but yeah, the majority of cases here, the COVID tracker app is up there and hopefully a, a little bit more useful. The current um, the current check-ins today, you can see how many people have checked in. Uh, 5,611 people have checked in. Only in the last couple of hours, by the way, because it's only been released an hour an hour or two on your phone. 99% of people are feeling good, 1% with some symptoms. So, I mean, promising. That's good news. That is promising. Yeah, it is good news. Um, so, yeah, there's tons of information on that app as well, just about total cases, um, daily confirmed cases, how it's spreading, is a community transmission, close contact, tr- travel abroad, 2% is from travel abroad, 64% close contact, 33% community transmission. But it's the yellow COVID tracker app from the HSE, which is available to download now. So uh, you'll see it up online uh, and have a look at it. And fairly handy enough, to, uh, fairly easy and, and manageable and easy to uh, sign up and get on your phone as well. And then they're just looking for daily notifications to see whether you're feeling good or whether you're not feeling good. And speaking of the coronavirus and the pandemic itself. Turns out that if you are, in fact, a horror movie fan, you are apparently more psychologically prepared and resilient to deal with something like a pandemic and to deal with something like um, the lockdown that we've been in for the last while. Now, Sisha, I don't believe you you aren't, you wouldn't say, a fan of a horror movie? Uh, no, I used to be, and I think that's what happened when I was 12 or 13. I, d- I decided, oh, this is really cool. I'm not supposed to be watching these types of films, so I'm going to watch all of them. So I went through uh, about a year or two of just only watching horror films and anything that was scary. And yeah, I'm not going to lie, there was a few there that they shouldn't have been scary. And when I look back, you know, they're not as bad as I thought. But, but I'm not a huge fan like... now. Oh, at the time, honestly, I had nightmares for days at times so have you um, ever had a nightmare from a movie yeah when i was younger i definitely did yeah as a kind of 12 13 year old like that would scare me to death you know it it might be a reflection in a mirror or something like that and then i'd go to brush my teeth and i'd think i saw something you know and clearly i didn't it was just my mind playing games but yeah so definitely definitely Uh, but probably because the fear of that i i tell people i don't like horror films when deep down i mean everyone likes a bit of a scare but I just, uh, I'd be scared that I'd never sleep again. What is the scariest movie you've ever seen? Honestly, and you might go, really? Anything to do with religion, I'm terrified of. So, The, the Exorcist. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Even though that I was a bit old, and then we kind of look at it kind of going, ah, it's clearly a fake head and a mechanical thing. And Yeah, it, it was that one, and in particular, it was because apparently a lot of accidents happened on set oh i love those stories people passed yeah. away and like there was kind of things off the back of that so yeah there was tons I of stuff wasn't like there that. yeah i i don't like the thoughts of that at all uh, and because it was made back when there was no kind of cgi and special effects i just kind of felt that they probably picked that location because maybe there was a reason that it was haunted anyway or there was a history behind it i don't know but a lot of weird things happened during the making of that film and for me 
I cannot sit through that anymore. I've seen it I'm twice tra- and I couldn't watch it again. Yeah, I remember hearing a few things about that. I want to just quickly see... Oh, my God. Over the course of filming The Exorcist, nine people died. Like, that's terrifying. Now, it could be coincidental. I mean, usually these films could, you know, take a year, up to two years sometimes. You know, it's likely that people might be older on set or be in an accident. I don't know. I think nine people is a lot, but... I think I remember reading about it and it happened like some of the some of the accidents were really strange yeah and very so look at this I'm just reading a quick bit on it here nine people died making nine people who were associated with the production of the movie died two of the actors died before the film was released and both their characters lost their lives in the movie itself oh freaky see it's just these things and now we're talking about it and we're playing this eerie music and I'm terrified (laughs) Oh, I'm, I'm having too much fun reading this. This is ridiculous. The set of the possessed girl's house apparently burnt down. Yeah. This is really weird. Look at this. Director, The director of the movie saw a pigeon fly into a circuit box and promptly catch fire and the entire set was destroyed. Oh, and look at this. The entire set was destroyed except for one room. The bedroom where the girl who was playing the possessed no, girl No, like that's terrifying you know unless they've made this up to make it sound scarier that could I don't be think like they did, folklore though. yeah that, that could be genius marketing if uh, you know someone was just throwing a pigeon into the circuit box kind of going well well this will be a good bit of cult, cultish marketing that'll help things spread around i wonder if any i think a few other things happened that, there was the main things i think most a lot of other things happened on set of that right um, the, the other so Exorcism is obviously one of the most famous scary movies as well. scariest movie you've ever seen in your entire life 87 Um I can't sit through Carrie either I've never Again, s- is, kind is, of is that the one the Stephen King one reli- religious based um, is that Stephen King I feel it could be it's it's really creepy and the actress just happens to be um like she's from like a very strict religious family and yeah. um she she just loses her mind basically and tears the whole place down because she was kind of being bullied and you know the opening scene is her in the shower room she got her period for the first time and everyone was laughing at her and you know she ended up going a little bit crazy and I think I've seen that movie, setting fire yeah. to everything. And but is, yeah. is that the girl who can who can? Yeah, she's she can, yeah, shoot fire yeah. out of her head, kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But she's okay. just. I know it sounds terrible, but she's very pale, ginger hair with loads of freckles, and for some reason, you know the, the way sometimes your eyebrows can like we all pencil our eyebrows in, but they can be really fair. So she just looked kind of scary. Yeah. Anyway, as as a person, and then obviously. Um, the character was really quiet and you kind of felt sorry for her at the start and then suddenly you realised, oh, you don't want to mess with Carrie. So that one was also, but her parents were really religious and, you know, she wasn't allowed out and then it was, yeah. Drag I think one of, one of the scariest. I, uh, the scariest movie I've seen, I think it would drag me to hell. Um, more of a kind of jump scare movie as opposed to chronically terrifying that was just absolutely funny in how terrifying it was for the jump scares and I'll have to be honest I was a little bit scared watching Paranormal Activity for the first time 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. I was too, because it was the first time you felt like you were there with them in the room. Um, yeah, it, it was like low that, budget that Blair Witch shot. style, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I, did, I did definitely get that. You felt like you were, yeah, living that at the time. And I remember watching for the first time, obviously all the lights off, and then what you were seeing happening on screen, you kind of felt in your own home. You were thinking, oh my God, what was that noise? Um, <laughs> so yeah, definitely, that was up there. Uh, yeah, so listen, if you're a fan of horror movies, you are better able to manage your quarantine, apparently. Better able to manage quarantine and lockdown and all of those things associated with the last couple of months. But let us know the most terrifying movie you've ever seen. Scariest movie you have ever seen, ever. 87 104 We'll be back reading out a couple of those messages in a few moments' time and also be speaking to somebody who is an expert in morbid curiosity because apparently having that morbid curiosity, liking movies like horror movies in that genre, means you're more prepared for a pandemic and a lockdown, right? So we'll read out come on, so, some of those texts that have come in next here on it. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. Good evening, it's Cormac and Saoirse here on Room 104. Still to come on the show, you're going to hear from somebody who studies morbid curiosity. So somebody who specialises in trying to figure out why do you like weird, dark kind of gruesome things because it turns out that if you are a fan of horror movies and have that morbid curiosity you're better able to deal with the lockdown and you're better able to deal with the pandemic that we've just been through and are still pretty much in and the reasoning behind that will be uh, revealed shortly but we just want to know what has been the most terrifying movie that you have ever seen ever because apparently it's healthy for you in weird ways uh, 87 that's our whatsapp number let us know the most terrifying scariest thing you have ever seen Saoirse's gone with the exorcist I said uh, drag me to hell a few other people have said like Arabs for example said paranormal activity as well could not sleep for a week yeah <laughs> it is terrifying Sarah messaged me in saying Annabelle now I have never seen Annabelle and what's really annoying about this is I love the name Annabelle and I'd probably call my daughter Annabelle if I ever had one Mm. So now it's associated with a horror film. I can't. I don't think I've seen Annabelle. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
I'm, I'm just Googling it here now quickly. It looks... I think it's in the same universe as The Conjuring anyway. I think I've seen The Conjuring. Um, yeah, I have. Oh, The Conjuring 1 and 2. I've seen those, both of those movies um, and that were very good. They were, and they were based off real-life events and stories as well. I think, though, I think in The Conjuring 2, the story revolves around the family that's living in the house. Maybe that's the first one. But the police, I just remember there's a scene where the police come out and they witness a chair moving across the floor and door yeah. slamming and everything else. And they're like, oh, my God. Turns out all of that was fake. As in, in the real life story it's based upon. Oh, no. And no. They, they were the photos of, you know, the kids floating in air in the bedroom yeah. with the terrifying air. They were all, uh, I'm pretty sure they've all been debunked as, as BS. Oh, that's not scary. They just jumped in the air and got a photo. Just did it in such oh, a way that lad. it was like, Yeah. Don't stop that making you a few quid, though. That's the thing. Yeah, but... You know, you kind of want to believe that these things happened and be terrified. I know. I know. You kind of want to go the fight for... If you're, if you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound, like, you know? I think anything really with kids in it is scary, isn't it? Especially uh, the older films. The, did you remember the omen, the original omen? was like Damien was a little crazy kid who was yes. possessed by the devil. And then my mom decided to call my brother Damien after that, which is really weird. Yeah. Yeah, that that was actually terrifying. I mean, I was actually scared years ago of the Blair Witch Project. Now I watched it since, and it's not scary. Um, well, because originally they released the Blair Witch Project, and the, the kind of studio had said that this is, was a real movie, that this was just like found footage. So a lot of people were like, "Oh, well, like one, they'd never done it like that before." So it was completely new and different, but a lot of people were traumatised from it because they believed, hang on a second, now what? This is actually a real documentary. of. I've never seen it either. Yeah. Um, Hitchcock's Psycho was kind of scary as well. Yeah. Like that, that was, for me, any of the older ones, really. I, I kind of feel like the new horror films are trying too hard that it's nearly not believable. And and sometimes when you you know there's so many special effects in it that yeah. it's over the top and you're like well now we're kind of in fantasy land and we're in um like a nearly like a comic movie a Marvel movie as opposed to a, a real movie that's why the ones back in the day that weren't using any special effects and they were far more terrifying and traumatizing. Yeah, I agree. I think. to to do a horror film now to make a horror film now would be very challenging. Like think about like. Even The Shining. Yeah. Like very, um, very little going on in terms of uh, CGI or special effects or anything else, but absolutely terrifying. <laughs> okay. Been watching horror movies since before I was 10 years of age. Immune to most stuff at this stage. That comes in from Alan. Alan, good evening. Thanks for that. Uh, Pan Labyrinth, huge a huge recommendation for that one. Pan Labyrinth, never heard of it, Alan. I will add it to the to the watching list. Um, when I was 11, I saw Nightmare on Elm Street. Still oh, freaks me out. Oh, that's actually very creepy. Yeah, I don't Pan like that. I uh, haven't watched it, but I heard the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is pretty gruesome. Again, the older one was better at, I think, being a bit more creepier and a bit scarier. The newer one isn't bad, but it's got that... I don't know, it's too new and shiny to be... I think parts of it are kind of funny, I think, if I remember. Uh, if I remember... Yeah, that, yeah, that was definitely more gruesome than scary, I would say. Like, scary for me is just... 
you know, a noise or a yeah. flicker of a light or something. Like the idea of a ghost or something, that's terrifying. Right, The Exorcist. I watched it on a Betamax video back in the early 80s and I haven't watched a horror movie since. That comes in from Mary. It is, it's awful. They, they haunt you, I swear to God, they actually do. Dun, dun, dun. The Hills Have Eyes. I think I've seen that. Mr. Marley, how are you doing this evening, sir? I think I've seen The Hills Have Eyes and that was another crazy terrifying one. A few people have sent this in as well, right? Insidious, one and two. Now, I think, is Insidious... Is Insidious the Conjuring and Annabelle, are they all in the same kind of universe, for want of a better word, or am I getting confused? Yes, they are. They are, yeah. I, I didn't think Insidious. I, I think I remember watching that. I don't. I don't think I thought it was scary. If I remember correctly, what was the movie with the one about uh, the white folks who were like taking the brains and bodies of the pl- Get Out? That's what it was called, wasn't it? Do you remember Get Out? Never. Uh, no. That famous one. It was uh, based around the racism. It was a kind of horror-y one where this, you know girl was hunting down black men for her racist family and then they were stealing their body and stealing their minds or doing something about them. It was a freaky freaky movie. Great huh. movie though. Brilliant. You must have seen this. I don't think I did, no. Oh, crack a movie. What's the name of the guy who wrote it? Brilliant movie. Young enough kind of director writer and he's written a few after that as well. I think he started off writing comedies. What was his name? I'm going to presume Alan, you'll know this one. You can drop us in. The guy who wrote Get Out what was his name? 0876797104. Anyway, uh, we, 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 in a few moments time, we're going to be talking to a guy who is an expert in morbid curiosity. So if that's you, uh, he might be able to explain why. But apparently if you are that type of person, you do love horror movies and you watch a lot of them, you are better able to handle this pandemic than people who are not. So why is that? He'll explain in a few moments time. First though, St. John, this is Trap. It's Room 104 with Cormac and Sissy here. I- FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. It's Room 104, it's Cormac and Saoirse here. And the question for you this evening is, is there a particular type of person who can better handle the pandemic? I know we're kind of coming out of it now, but um, does your taste in movies have any indication as to how well you'll be able to manage lockdown and manage the pandemic situation? If you think, if you, think you know, you, you may... Quickly let us know what type of movie fan you think would be able to survive this. It, it, it might seem like an obvious one, but let us know nonetheless. Oh, it's Evan six seven nine seven one zero four. Without generalising, Sirsha, and I know you're not really a fan of rom coms, but I can't imagine fluffy, lovey rom coms would prepare you well for a pandemic. No, probably not. Now I'm for some reason going back over old films, and that's what I've been doing during the pandemic. So ones I've seen before. Maybe it's that whole kind of reminiscing on what we used to have before the pandemic when we kind of got used to normal life. Um, So I was watching things like Toy Story. I watched Jurassic Park last night. Random films. Titanic. You name it. It didn't have to be a rom-com or a romantic film. Just iconic movies from back through throughout the years. But one genre I never touched on, and it's something I just don't like really, is horror. Horrors are just fun, though. It's like exercising in your front room. Maybe maybe a little bit because we are in the middle of, I would say, a horror situation that I couldn't bear to look at anything similar. 
The first movie I watched when the lockdown kicked in and we heard the quarantine was Contagion, and then it was Outbreak <laughs> after that. So, I mean, not the best to put you in a safe headspace. But uh, joining us now on the line to talk a little bit more about the types of movie fans who are best adapted and suited for dealing with a pandemic, he is from... The University of Chicago specializes in a f- fascinating area of the human mind as well. It's a psychologist, Colton Strivener. Colton, how are you? Hey, guys. I'm doing good. How are you? Before we maybe jump into this specific study and the information that we can glean from it and that you are able to find, what is your particular area of, of study in psychology? Uh, that's a good question. So I sort of study the different biological aspects of the human mind. So uh, I look at things like hormones or I sometimes use eye tracking to see where people look at different things. But my sort of area of expertise is in morbid uh, curiosity. Curiosity of the dead. Yeah, that's, that's basically right. Or at least curiosity about things that can make you dead. Wow. I've, uh, we've, there's always uh, yeah, anecdotal evidence. I remember I have a couple of friends who are firefighters and I have a couple of friends who are you know paramedics and, and frontline staff. And uh, if you ever go on, out on a night out with them, they will tell you some of the most morbidly dark jokes uh, and have a really dark, morbid sense of humour. And they say it's, you know, it's that gallows humour that it's the way in which they deal with facing horrific situations every day. But w- would you have any insight onto that? Is there any truth behind having, a, let's say, a morbid sense of uh, sense of humour might help you deal with, unfortunately, a morbid life or a morbid profession? Yeah, you know, other people have asked me uh, the same question, and I haven't studied it, but I, w- I would really like to. But it seems to make sense, right? If you can sort of make light of something that's kind of scary, uh, it might help you cope with it in the same way that sort of being curious about it might help you approach it in a way that feels a bit safer. I think everybody's curious of dying and death and things like that. You know, when you, you see a documentary or a real life crime drama or whatever it might be based on true story, you do often wonder if I was a fly in the wall, what happened? <laughs> And it's a curiosity more right. so than, you know, no one wants to know someone was hurt, but it's just the curiosity. Right. I think that's something that gets misunderstood sometimes, that morbid curiosity is not about, you know, necessarily wanting to do those things or, you know, not having empathy or things like that. It really seems to be more about just understanding what happens uh, when, you know, something dangerous is around. In this latest study that you uh, have recently released and completed. Fans of what particular type of movie genre seem to be better equipped maybe at dealing with the, the situation and the pandemic? Right. Well, so broadly it seems like, you know, okay, so first of all, as you might expect, people who watch these movies kind of like Contagion or these other sort of what we call prepper genres. So these would be things like zombie movies or apocalyptic films, sort of end of the world kind of movies. They seem to not only be more prepared for the pandemic, or at least reported that they were more prepared for the pandemic, but they also experienced less psychological distress during the pandemic. So they would say things like, you know, if you ask them, you know, how have you been uh, experiencing any irritability or anxiety or dep- uh, depressed feelings? Most of them would report lower scores on that than people who weren't watching those films. Uh, and then more broadly, people who watched horror films, which can, you know, encompass a kind of a wide variety of topics, uh, also reported lower psychological distress than the average person. Do you know what's really random? I remember going out with a guy who was really big into sci-fi, absolutely loved it, lived and breathed it. But I often think now, during the pandemic, so I wouldn't be into sci-fi or any of those types of films, and I found myself very anxious during this time. But I often think... Is this for him nearly comforting that he was so engrossed in this world of destruction or outer space, stuff that you think would never happen? Now there's a pandemic and people actually had to stay indoors and we were kind of living through what would be a kind of film situation. Yeah, I mean, uh, some of it probably has to do with people feeling like they're more familiar with it, right? If you've watched these movies or read these books about uh, people being in quarantine or there being a dangerous virus outside or 
society sort of collapsing, then it's, it's less of a shock to you when it happens in real life. I mean, it may still be a shock, but it, uh, it doesn't feel quite as novel, right? So we're going to have school preparation in the future when we get out of this. That'll be, you know, you need to watch Outbreak and Contagion and World War Z <laughs> right. just to, uh, as a form of training the young people for a potential future pandemic. That's right. Stephen King novels would be a required reading <laughs> in high school. <laughs> God, yeah, I, I don't think I could get on board with that at all. <laughs> See, Cormac, you're I mean, way better able for this. I mean, you're, you're just missing out. I mean, what, what's your aversion, Saoirse, to horror movies? Comedy. I'm like, give me... I don't like to, to get in touch with my emotions whatsoever, so I just watch comedies all day, and they just they just do it for me. So Forgetting Sarah Marshall, brilliant film. What, what, about, uh, what about horror comedy? Like, Shaun yeah, of the Dead. There you go. I just wouldn't be into that now. I just wouldn't. Like, I mean, I will go all out the odd time if I have loads of people around me and I know I'm not going to be sleeping that night. Then I will watch The Exorcism <laughs> or something of that kind of genre but no not on my own and I would not watch anything related to a pandemic Colton would you recommend like let's say someone who, like, like Saoirse and maybe someone who's listening who's like just absolutely hates horror movies because they don't like the jump scares they don't like the actual uh, the, the trauma or the feeling of being terrified you, you haven't come up with a graduated scale of movies that get kind of kind of more scarier as you progress as maybe a way to build up their uh, you know resilience to these movies I mean, I, no, I haven't uh, done that. I'm sure somebody has. You know, it, it, it may be the case that someone who is just really averse to horror films, maybe, you know, it wouldn't help them to watch these kinds of things. And maybe it wouldn't help prepare them. Maybe it's only people who sort of might feel like they can handle it, you know, uh, that would benefit from this at all. Yeah, we're going to stick with that. I'm going to keep watching my comedies. <laughs> uh, actually, yeah, you know, you, you could pre-traumatize people like Sish with horror movies. And then the pandemic comes and you're just an absolute nervous wreck in the mess. And uh, you, you, can, you, you, can, you, you can't manage it all. Uh, but was there any other interesting things that you have found with regards to this study on people's you know morbid curiosity with, with these areas and how they can help translate into the real world so we asked people about their their genre preferences right so we said you know how much do you would you say you're a horror fan or a, ro- a romance fan or a comedy fan but we also asked them some questions so that we could assess their morbid curiosity sort of their trait personality for morbid curiosity and what we found there was that people who were more morbidly curious experienced what we called greater positive resilience during the pandemic so instead of things like sleeplessness or irritability or depression or anxiety, positive resilience has more to do with having a sort of positive outlook on the future and feeling like uh, you can find positive experiences during the pandemic. So it may be the case that you're still anxious or you're still maybe not sleeping well, but, you know, during normal, during during the day, you can find ways to enjoy yourself still. So maybe you pick up a hobby that you uh, really enjoy and you've been spending more time doing that, or maybe, you know, you're morbidly curious about the pandemic and so you've been sort of obsessively reading the news about it. So it's a slightly different kind of resilience than the psychological distress. Okay, because I often think that if somebody could maybe be so into those types of films and not really be in any way anxious, you know, around a pandemic that has never happened before, are they not lacking some kind of emotion or something? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not necessarily the case that they're not anxious, right? Maybe they're just less anxious than someone who watches uh, fewer of them. I mean, that, that's a good point. Maybe people who enjoy watching horror movies are, are emotionally numb anyway, so they can sit through all the trauma because they're not going to get freaked out and they're not going to experience anything. And then when the real pandemic comes, they're still like, meh, whatever, a bit apathetic yeah. to the world. <laughs> so it's interesting. In our study, we tried to control for some of that. So there are other personality traits like uh, neuroticism that may make you more likely to sort of uh, freak out during something like a pandemic. Mm. Uh, but what we found is, and, and when we did our statistical models, we controlled for lots 
positive personality traits like agreeableness, neuroticism, extroversion, conscientiousness, openness to experience. And when we controlled for those, we still found that people who watched horror films had lower uh, psychological distress during the pandemic. So there might be something sort of something else going on. And sort of what we posited was that people who watch horror films have a chance to kind of practice their emotion regulation, in particular with fear, right? So they can kind of practice being afraid and then overcoming that. And in specific cases, like if you're watching a movie about a pandemic, like let's say outbreak or contagion, uh, you might be learning actual skills, right? Like, oh, this is what I need to buy because people are going to buy this out, right? Um, or this is what I need to do. I need to wash my hands more. I need to buy a face mask and buy gloves or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah. That was one of the first things I was learning as well, watching Contagion, because Contagion is almost now like a documentary. Um, in, in, yeah. in, it's, so, it's so accurate to what's happening now. The, the death rate of the Contagion virus was a hell of a lot higher because it was obviously a Hollywood right. movie. It needs to be scarier, but everything right. else... <laughs> Because I think they hung around or at least researched from the CDC, like, what would happen? And it was nearly like a step-by-step process. It was like, my God, this is just too terrifying and, and ahead of its time. But, uh, Colton, listen, thanks a million for popping on and sharing that. Again, if you're listening and you want to maybe try and prep yourself, horror movies and these kind of uh, terrifying movies are a good place to start, helping you regulate your head and your mind when it comes to the, the, the uh, pandemic. Is there anywhere you'd recommend? Uh, do you have a, a Twitter or a website or anything you'd like to give a quick mention just so people can follow you online? Uh, sure. My Twitter is, as you might expect, at morbid underscore psych. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, at morbid underscore psych from uh, the University of Chicago specializes in morbid curiosity. Colton Scrivener, thanks a million for speaking with us this evening. Thanks, guys. It's a lot of fun. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalong. Good evening. I hope you're well. On Mondays, if you just tune in, we, we do like to, when we're in the studio, we're both at home now this evening, but uh, Monday is your evening where you can vent and you can shred things. Usually we have to shred her from the office, but now it's my uh, fire in my in my front room. Uh, what I would like to shred before we wrap up the show here this evening is uh, slow slow tech, so slow computers, especially when you're logging in remotely, Um because it's happened to me several times this evening, whatever it is about the connection tonight, I don't know what's going on, but you, you know when there's a lag that you hit a button and you don't know whether you've hit it, and then you hit it again, yeah. and then it just hits twice, and you're like, oh, for God's sake. So I, I, I would like to uh, I would like to shred that this evening. Um, That's we were perfectly talking, fine. Yeah, I think so, because it's, it, it's just jumping around left, right, and center, don't know what's going on. Uh, we're talking there about terrifying movies. Alan, thank you very much. Uh, Jordan Peele was the name of the guy who wrote Get Out. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, another couple of terrifying movies that people have claimed to have seen. The reason we're talking about this is if you like horror movies, apparently you're better equipped at dealing with a pandemic and uncertain, crazy, stressful situations. Children of the Corn. Now, that sounds like an old movie. I've heard of that one as well. I remember my mom telling me about that, actually. I think that's well, quite that. an old film. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. of the Corn. Now, I can't remember if you said... Yeah, I, well, I don't Stephen know King, actually. It was a Stephen King movie as well, yeah. Ah, there you go. I think I might have actually touched on that when I... Because I did a film degree, so I probably should know that. Um, <laughs> I got a message in from Mark. I think this is the one you talked about earlier on, was it? Entity. Uh, Hi, Sersha. If you get a chance, watch The Entity. It scared the life out of me. It is also based on a true story. I watched it one and a half times, never again. No, I, I, I didn't mention The Entity. I've never heard of that. Entity. I take so we'll your word, to... though. If it's if it's terrifying, I will not be watching it. We'll have to Google that one there now um, and see what the crack is with it. There's another movie. I, I think all, all Stephen King's movies were great. Um, and I'm trying to remember. There was one of them in particular that there was 
Was it an alien ship underground that had like green glowy flashy lights underneath the ground and then everyone suddenly started getting possessed? Because his movies, they were just, they, they were brilliant. They were kind of like Stranger Things, except mm. a hell of a lot weirder. But that, that movie, can anyone remember that movie? There was like, it's like in a forest or there was just a load of weird stuff underground and then I think it started glowing and green and people got weirded out and possessed and stuffed. And stuff, I should say. Let me know what that is. Children of the Corner. It was a 1984 Stephen King film as well. So all of these ones seem pretty scary. Very scary. I wonder, um, has anyone ever watched a film and it was so scary that they turned it off halfway through? Oh, yeah. So that's obviously what Marcus said about the second time he watched The Entity, he couldn't even finish it. A terrifying one I did that with was uh, The Notebook. <laughs> <laughs> setting up all these expectations of commitment and stuff like no terrifying turn it off that was the scariest thing you've ever seen oh terrifying yeah, it is pretty absolutely terrifying absolutely yeah. terrifying yeah um, the, the official well I should say the official unofficial top 10 movies of all time The Ring was another terrifying movie did you have the first one anyway do you remember watching that one oh yeah that was on recently as well. I remember seeing that going, oh, God. But uh, what comes in, there's a, there's a quick list. I'm just going to fly through these. There's a list of the top 10 scariest movies of all time. Ringu from 1998 is the, I think, the Japanese original version. The Ring was based off it, but there's an actual Japanese version of it. And that comes in at 10. Paranormal Activity, 9. Psycho in at 8. Don't Look Now. Uh, never heard of that. 1973, that. apparently. The Shining is in there at 6. The Exorcist only makes it in 5th spot. Absolute BS. Way scarier than that. Wow. Halloween. The original Halloween is in oh, fourth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Third, The Blair Witch yeah. Project, which I've never seen. I think I'm going to go see it. Now, it obviously ruins the fun that I know it's not a real documentary and that's been done to death. That style has been done to death now ever since. But um, that's up there. And then the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original one, is in second. And the first, I've never heard of this, but Funny Games? Do you ever hear of this? No. 1997 movie. No, 1997. Oh. Never heard of this. Never heard of that either. I must watch it. Yeah, so there you go. You can add that to the add that to the list. Um, and there you go. And, and listen, if you're not a fan of horror movies, it's time to start introducing yourself to some of them because they can help you deal with crazy situations like the current pandemic that we were in. And if you missed that interview with uh, Colton Shriver, who is an expert psychologist in morbid curiosities. Why do people like things like death and inappropriate things like that and weird things like that? Why and how it can actually help you in certain situations. That uh, interview will be up on the podcast very, very shortly, right after the show. And you can subscribe on all the usual places, ACAS, Spotify, blah, 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 you know what the crack is. So listen, uh, we'll be back in two moments with music from MK. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Uh, you can get the podcast of the full show up on uh, Spodca- Spodcast because that's a new podcast platform I've literally just <laughs> set up. Spodcast. Spodcast. <laughs> it sounds like it could be a disease but it also sounds like uh. a weird podcast app for streaming 24-7. Uh, no, it is not Spodcast um, but you can get the podcast of the show uninterrupted up on that uh, Spotify and Acast and the usual places as well. A couple of just um, last couple of texts coming in on the most terrifying movies that um, you've ever seen makes you more resilient, psychologically resilient of or crazy situations like we're experiencing right now. Um, uh, we got to see the I, the original Korean version in the IFC, the IFSC or the IFC, what's the IFC? The Irish film something? 
I was like, yeah. why would you watch a movie in the IFSC? That doesn't make any sense. A jumpiest movie ever. And you also want to know, what was the number one movie on the list that we read out? And how that number one movie of the 10 scariest movies was a, a movie called Funny Games from 1997. Who is it by... It doesn't say who it's by. Director Michael... Hanky? Ha- Haneke? I don't know. Yeah, anyway, we'll apparently that. that's meant to be uh, that's meant to be fairly scary. Uh, Mama and Cabin in the Woods are two oh, good ones as well. Yeah. Um, Pet Cemetery, The Stepford Wives. I got a message in from Hugo who said right. The Silence of the Lambs. You would... Yeah, it's pretty pretty creepy. Psychological thriller as opposed to horror, maybe. Great movie, yeah. though. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's about a serial killer, so... And I suppose, yeah, there you go. Put uh, the lotion yeah, in creepy. the basket. The trailer is very creepy, actually. Oh, I've never seen watched it. the trailer of um, no. Silence of the Lambs. It's it's horrible. No, I've never actually seen the trailer. I'll, I'll catch up with that a little bit later on. Speaking of things to watch, I know I harped on about this, and a lot of, a lot of people are harping on about this at the moment, but Unsolved Mysteries is back on... They've rebooted it on Netflix and I watched a couple of more episodes there episodes are about an hour long definitely if you're missing out something to watch if you've nothing new to binge definitely check out Unsolved Mysteries phenomenal but just in the middle of the series one episode is about how a load of people in a small town over in America got abducted by an alien Abducted by an alien. So, again, to give you the setup of the whole series, so the first one's like serial killer, family murdered, people disappearing, so all like legit and, you know, legit cases that have gone cold that they've never been able to solve. And then you just throw in like an X Files episode for the crack in the middle of it. It's amazing. That's so strange. Um, I, look, yeah. look, I don't know. I haven't seen an alien yet. I'd love to be abducted by an alien. Oh, you'd love this episode then? Because what happened was there was numerous sightings over a small town in America. Uh, there was numerous sightings from numerous different people. So not just one person who had a few too many and was like, oh, it was a big spaceship. There was like <laughs> hundreds of people who saw this spaceship, hundreds of people who saw these things. But then there was a handful of young kids who alleged that they were beamed up onto the spaceship and were experimented on. And then there's like, two or three hours missing and then they're back in a different part of their house or a different part of their garden and can't explain anything. Crazy. And these are all normal, legitimate people. You wouldn't look at these and go, he's insane. He definitely didn't have it. These are like your granny and your granddad saying, reluctantly saying before they die, what happened back in 1969 when this UFO came over the town and abducted a lot of people? Yeah. It's magic. Did it happen though? I mean, I want to believe, I want to believe all these people. I'm like, this is great crack. Unbelievable. Definitely worth a watch, though. And, and there's one moment where there was, uh, one of the guys in it said he was like 10 at the time and he was just running across his garden and he saw this big light and then a, a beam hit him and then he was sprinting, but he wasn't getting anywhere because he was floating up off the ground, being pulled into the UFO that was above hovering. And there was a woman, his mother was also in the garden and said one moment he was there running, but then he was running and he wasn't going anywhere. And then he, the light hit him and then he just disappeared. And he was gone for seven minutes when he appeared then randomly on the other side of the garden. Like it big gardens. These aren't like, gardens. Um, These are big open ranches near mm. it Sounds very like the uh, aftermath of someone who has taken an illegal drug, actually. I don't think 10-year-olds were dropping acid, even though it was 1969. I don't think... 
I don't think but I it does sound it does sound like the the side effects to a certain illegal drug, doesn't it? Certain hallucinogenics, <clears throat> indeed. Yeah. Like that was the first thing that I thought that maybe the water supply in the town was spiked. <clears throat> but so many normal people in complete like hundreds of miles from each other um, in the same kind of county were looking at this kind of going, oh, weird. They all saw it, and they were all like, yeah, saw this thing, described it in the same way, and uh, you know there was an old elderly couple who were driving over a bridge and then the, the light hit them and then they woke up two or three hours later had no idea and the family was driving right? well, there was, there was the, the grandmother and the mother and the kids in the back and then they were hit by this beam of light and everyone was like what the hell's going on and then they woke up three hours later and the grandmother and the mother had swapped seats in the front but the grandmother couldn't drive so they were like why are you sitting there what what's going on Oh, weird. And that's when they thought somebody made a mistake. One of the aliens made a mistake, and they were like, did you put them back correctly? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally did. No worries. Are you sure? Yeah, 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 fine. But someone, the intern alien cocked up on the first day, put them back wrong. That's creepy. Yeah. I mean, I'll watch it. I'll, oh, I'll try do. and believe it, but it's a yeah. So it you're sounds watching very with surreal. an open mind. I don't yeah, believe in don't. ghosts, but I believe in, I'd love to see aliens come, when, especially when these legitimate people are coming forward and, you know, legitimate people from small-town America that would have absolutely nothing to gain by <laughs> shaming themselves when everyone knows their business. You know that kind of way? Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> All will be revealed. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.